talk about revolution That's going a little bit too far So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal Hello, and welcome once again to More Like the Worst Wing, the show where here in 2022, we take on Aaron Sorkin's, or formerly Aaron Sorkin's, seminal classic, The West Wing, from a bit more leftist socialist perspective. I am Stu. And I am Dave. And I am officially COVID-free after a big scare this week, so I am excited to get back on the mic and put down some thoughts about this week's episode, which is called Opposition Research. Yes, uh, so this episode basically takes place entirely in the state of New Hampshire, uh, as Matt Santos and Josh are there doing early, uh, what is called retail campaigning, uh, or in-person, hands-to-hand style campaigning. Like, the first thing, which apparently, quote-unquote, every candidate does, according to Josh, is go to some New Hampshire dump and help people with their trash and introduce themselves as, uh candidates for presidency i don't remember that during the 2020 primary do you <laughs> no it seems like that wasn't really a big theme at yeah. all no i def i also i'd like to say i definitely didn't spend 20 days of my life doing exactly this in sioux city iowa yes <laughs> in yeah, early what, 2020 well which i find is an interesting omission and we'll get to it when in in two episodes coming up in the episode coming up list as i was pulling up my uh, folder of west wing season six episodes that i've downloaded now that the show is off netflix thank you <laughs> big um, mistake <laughs> <laughs> you're missing missing them sorkin residuals um as i was looking in the upcoming episodes i saw two episodes down the line is king corn And Mm. my memory sparked, and I remember enough about that episode to remember it's all about them going to Iowa and having to take the quote-unquote ethanol pledge, where they they commit their, that, you know, ethanol rules because it's made from corn, uh, and it's a fuel additive, and and it rules, and we should put it in everything, and God bless Iowa and its corn. And, like, this is something that every candidate has to do, like this supposed garbage dump thing. But... An interesting omission from this whole episode is the concept of Iowa at all. Isn't Iowa first? Yes. But they keep treating New Hampshire first, and they're right that it is the first, quote-unquote, primary. But, like, as we all know nowadays, at least, you know, well, this is appropriately timely so, they're considering changing up the order of the primary and getting rid of Iowa and New Hampshire Yeah, they're getting rid of caucuses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But... But as we know, Iowa is where all candidates go and camp out a year in advance, especially if they're like no hope candidates with no chance. So like, what's he fucking wasting his time in New Hampshire? What's this? Which is the second state, you know? Well, like that's uh, well, to me, that's putting the cart before the corpse here. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll we'll also find. I mean, it will be revealed. I mean, it is obvious to fans of the show that the Bartlets are from New Hampshire which puts an additional sort of weird spin on it because it's sort of like they are seeking the state's blessing because of its reflected glory off of the current president. But there's a bit in this where they, they are extremely careful and Bartlett himself is extremely careful just to be like, no, I'm not like endorsing. I'm not giving like my my mitzvah to anybody it is just, I want to quote-unquote, clean vigorous, primary. Vigorous primary. 
Yes. I don't know. So we're stuck in New Hampshire is basically the end of the discussion here. (laughs) Yeah, the whole episode is basically about Santos and Josh clashing a ton, uh, which is good and an interesting character dynamic about sort of the whole purpose and scope and mission of their campaign. Uh, we find out, um, we're kind of going to go out of order here because this episode's, it's mostly just all about the one plot line. Yeah. Um, but yeah, about like three quarters of the way through the episode, Santos kind of drops the bomb that he doesn't really think he can win and he's just here to kind of kind of push the conversation, uh, particularly in regards to education, which is his big issue. And Josh is like, I blew up like my entire life in D.C., because I thought I was going to run your campaign and we were actually going to win. And you're telling me that you're just in it to, like, push the debate? Like, fuck you. <laughs> that this, this is when I, I stopped taking notes. I was just like, oh, God, push the debate, my asshole. Like, right, right. And so Santos ultimately doesn't believe him in himself, at least not in this early bit. Uh, and it makes sense because he's, he's being confronted with all sorts of things. Like it's, it's a real, you know, we're really setting the stakes here that this is our underdog campaign. Cause like, look at all the crap they have to go through early on, you know, they yeah, have a well, sh- shitty office with no funding and you know, it's like a, it's a converted, you know, pool or boating store or something like that. And there's plenty of jokes made about that. That kind of stuff. And they have bad press stuff. I'll, we'll get into it all. Yeah. So basically this is like, it is the, it's the, the upstart grassroots campaign and the mm-hmm. growing pains. The And the show takes great care to juxtapose it with the institutional, well-funded, well-funded yes. Bob Russell campaign via bringing um, Will Bailey and Donna back into the picture mm-hmm. um, to sort of have Josh clash with them in a way that hasn't happened yet in the show because he's been their boss for forever. So now there's this, this whole meta of, you know, Josh leaving his career in Washington DC to run this campaign is also personally just devastating for Josh because he can't order these people around anymore. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, so this episode is a real Josh gets like brought down back to earth kind of thing from the, from the lofty high he's been, he's been used to and he really gets a sense of that when um there's two reporters who are covering the santos beat at least that's what we think at first one's from the new york times and he we've seen him before yeah uh, sam he robards talk- he's the one who yeah. did who did the exaggerated dropping a disc onto the floor for cj to Correct. find <laughs> yeah i was about to say he did some subterfuge with cj that one time and yes thank you for remembering exactly what it was um <laughs> so good But yeah, so the reporters are there and he's like, well, you know, I know my candidate seems like he's a joke and is pulling it like the margin of error of zero percent. (laughs) But we've got a fucking New York Times reporter and a Washington Post reporter here. So, haha, he must be, you know, there must be something to him. And and then Sam is like, "Uh, I'm here covering you. You're the story. Mr. Deputy Chief of Staff leaves his White House job to go work for this fucking idiot. That's the story. <laughs> yeah, so the theme of Josh being taken down a peg like reverberates through the episode. Let's rewind a bit and get mm-hmm. back to sort of like the beginning as they're driving through the New Hampshire 
countryside. Like it's there's a little back and forth between Josh and Santos about um, like oh there must be a a way forward between both parties. And it's just like oh my god like you're you're actively saying third way, mm. and I'm just like oh no great I'm I'm sure everybody will get together and and shake hands and pat each other on the back and it's well, just well it's interesting because the whole the whole conflict and this is what starts it off is Josh's traditional idea of quote unquote how you run for president and then Santos butting his heads up against every single aspect of that so I think Josh is sort of already triangulating whereas yes. Santos the whole time is kind of off in his own mental world and it's just like, yeah, yeah, whatever you said, Josh, education plan, education plan. <laughs> education plan, Lisa needs braces. Um, <laughs> exactly. So, well, and that, that happens early on is basically there, there are a couple hints at it. And Matt Santos tries to bring it up at these big donor houses. He keeps talking about mm-hmm. like how we need to work on education. So this becomes his like his bugaboo, his key plank for his platform and I, I made a note that it actually proceeds nicely from the last couple episodes because the biggest concern domestically regarding like the president's trip to China and shit other than shrimp prices was <laughs> the fact that, you know, oh, the, the inscrutable Oriental, they're very primitive and ritualistic, but they're also somehow kicking our ass at school. At, like, at math and science. Yeah, and, math and, and science and, like, and all, stuff. All, all the education <laughs> metrics that America is rapidly falling behind on, Yes. So there's there's that that ties nicely into like sort of like a continuity of concern with the mm-hmm. current administration and Matt Santos is like so and frankly good for him he's like so why don't we fucking do something about it right. now whether his proposals are good or not yeah. uh, some of them are better than others uh, for <laughs> yeah. example nationalizing the education system that's a good idea <laughs> F- fuck Josh- all this like local state bullshit. <laughs> And Josh dismisses it out of hand. He's just like, that's a one and a half trillion dollar joke. And I'm like, well, I'm, okay, yeah. That's, I'm, that, sure, that sure sounds like a lot of GDP growth to me, Josh. Yeah, and you know, oh, who has that sort of um, resources to swing around? It might the federal be government. the federal government. I'm, yeah. I'm just spitballing here. That sure sounds like a hell of an investment to make in, you know, America's children, our most precious resource. That, like, I can, like, the campaign ad writes itself. In my well, mind, I, I don't I think, see I, Josh is missing the upside of all of this. And I think that is ultimately what is it's so blinkered and stuck in its. Well, OK, so let's just say to the show's credit, it is trying not to be by Matt Santos trying to break out of the mold. Right. And They're trying to say his idealism is a good thing to, yes. to be fair. But but ultimately it is framed within. OK, yeah, you know, we know Josh as just this sharpshooter, brilliant dude, consummate political operator who's coming in here and just fighting all this shit from his like like single lane blinders candidate. on tunnel vision yeah. perspective of like this is how you must do things and no of course we can't make changes what are you talking about and right we get commission to, a study <laughs> sure and it, it leads to no small amount of dissonance because we are conditioned to be like Josh is making the correct choice because he's super smart but also it's right. like well yes this is the correct choice and now he's pissed off about it what the fuck's going on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah i'll give the show a little bit of credit here because it is kind of it's at the same time it's saying that a josh is right i guess really i'm taking the credit back because the ultimate thing that the show is saying is to compromise and that compromise <laughs> is the greatest ideal 
uh, above all else because that's what ultimately ends up happening where it's like, okay, we need you to, we'll keep, you can keep talking about education, but you do have to do all the, all the traditional things that one does on a campaign. Yeah, and I think, I, I said ultimately before, but really ultimately, it is you watch the triangulation happen in real time from the, like, from the bog-standard center-right Democratic Party line to, like, the technocratic center-center-right Democratic sort of, like, left-middle flank line. And it's, like, ultimately they try to make Santos out like a revolutionary in this regard by putting big numbers and shit in Josh's mouth or like by having this pushback on an institutional level. And then they compromise out and it's still just like the politics still are just like the most trite, technocratic, boring garbage. So really, Mm -hmm. is it making... Is Santos a revolutionary? Like, absolutely not. No, not at all. He's talking about like increasing the school year by 60 days you know like <laughs> ooh, what a revolutionary <clears throat> like it's funny that he leads with the most technocratic parts of that policy rather than like the sweeping in, you know good change positive vibes thing you know like it'd be like trying to talk about medicare for all and being like oh you know isn't the most um, important thing about healthcare the fact that line 34 on the insurance form is worded slightly bad yeah or like like trying to appeal to people to be like did you know that the maximum allowable dose for i don't know insulin in a vial is 400 milliliters i want to change that to 500 milliliters it's like right as opposed to like i want to make healthcare free yeah you know like why aren't you selling the big pitch i want to make our kids education better you know like, he doesn't sell it like that. He always starts, like, getting into, like, the technocratic... Details. Into the weeds, yeah. He immediately just From wades into the numbers. Yeah. Right. Like, that's the... Uh, and I guess that's supposed to make him seem, like, smart and wonkish, I guess. And then also, just to kind of keep exploring this idea, it's like, that also makes me... It's, it's, it's a bit of a dissonance, because you would think that that's what Josh is looking for. Like... Mm-hmm. So, so, the wonky so what, what are, part. Yeah, so what are yeah. you objecting to... And it turns out it's like the degree of wonkiness. It's just like, oh, these stakes just keep getting whittled and whittled. In the ultimate liberal thing, he's concerned about the optics of it all. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He's concerned that he's doing it in the wrong way and that the and that the people who are looking will will get the wrong impression because the optics are all wrong. Well, and ultimately, you know, it, it, it also just comes around to the optics of Josh being a fucking bad boss. We see it mm-hmm. throughout the episode. Like, he condescends desperately to Santos's own staffers. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, mm-hmm. we hired this Washington big shot to come run the campaign. But you can't just be like, hey, and to his credit, Matt Santos is not. He does not go back to his original staffers and say, like, hey, you're out of here. He's just like, no, we're right. going to make you equal partners right. in this no, it- yeah. I think um, the the lady staffer, uh, Rana, uh, she ends up becoming, like, I think, like, press secretary or, like, takes over or Debbie's chief of job staff, or maybe. Yeah. something like that. She, like, she ends up, like, with a big job after this. So, yeah, Santos is true to his word. He doesn't just, like, shove everyone out the door. He's like, no, no, no. You've been with me all this time. I reward loyalty, you you know, and 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 uh, merit. And you're, you're all good. And you're going to come with me and, and we're going to build something here. So that like, yeah, that's good on him. But Josh totally comes in with like, yeah, big dick swing in, 
like condescending to everyone and is just like finally he goes to rana at one point he's like how do you fucking talk to this guy because he's like so sick of matt just like ignoring him (laughs) yeah Yeah. and and she's just like this is just who he is man like if we you know if we were dillying around with a policy he would just go out and announce it you know like he's he's the maverick he just does shit man and you gotta (laughs) roll with it and like and then and josh is just like oh my fucking god what have i gotten myself into like i just thought you were a normal person (laughs) And like, yeah. it, it, it's free. Yeah. But he's, again, he's really not that much of a maverick. We, we need to emphasize outside of the show, but only within the context of West Wing is he like this, whoa, shake him up, do whatever kind of guy. Yeah. So Josh just kind of like gets owned throughout the episode mm-hmm. which routinely, is good. which is, is good. Um, he ends up calling in, um, Marley, Marley Matlin, Matlin to, yeah, Joey Lucas to do some polling. Surprise! <laughs> um, and polling, our favorite thing. There's their interaction. It, it almost it was like watching static on screen to me because nothing. It's it's like flowing past and around me because they're talking these weird abstractions and you know regarding polling and like mm-hmm. I just it seems very just generally condescending where both of them are sort of just posturing at each other in this. Cause she closes the conversation by saying like, Josh, you should have done this weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, and it's she's like, talking about uh, getting the oppo research. On it's like, Santos. okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess, but like, like this I, whole I thing know. got thrown together three weeks ago. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, and, like of course I should have done it weeks ago, but, and that's, that's why I'm calling you. Like for right. for help. I don't know if again. There's a lot of moments in this episode where they feel like they added drama for drama's sake. Like yes. we haven't talked about the numbers yet, and we, we will after the <laughs> break. But after he Josh gets the numbers, he burns them. Like uh, he wrote them out on a matchbook, and he takes one of the matches. He burns the whole matchbook in an ashtray, and it's like, why? Why? Like, just for and it like that's the shot that closes us to our commercial break, and it's like. A really, really cheap attempt to mind drama at, so, for out of nothing. These were not confidential numbers. Yeah. So speaking of, let's let's take a break because I also want to talk about the fickle pickle and the <laughs> the, the Bartlett connection via his his daughter yeah, in New yeah. Hampshire, and then we can talk about the numbers from there because they both kind of run in the same vein. The numbers, Mason. What do they mean? <laughs> it's real. <laughs> All right, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about the numbers. Okay, so in addition to Josh and Matt Santos being out here on the fringes, being revolutionary in their campaign, they we mentioned kind of they start butting heads against what could be considered the establishment in New Hampshire, particularly like the Democratic Party mm-hmm. establishment. Um, Josh has a meeting with a state senator that mm-hmm. kicks mm-hmm. off the idea that like Russell and Hoynes are already deeply embedded oh, in yeah. this very important state. and. Yeah. 
Yeah, the guy the has Bob Russell guy is merch. Great. Yeah. yeah, he's just he's just so enthused. He's just like, dude, I got some swag. This guy dropped a bag off. He's got like a bottle opener. Right. It's like it was the highlight of this guy's fucking month. Like, yeah. he is yeah, so pleased, so pleased. <laughs> so there is already like the entrenched operating machine is present in mm-hmm. the state, and we get that filtered through the other operators from the white house who are now out on the campaign trail Mm -hmm. will bailey and donna who are running um bob russell's Mm -hmm. campaign office already in the state so Mm -hmm. josh stops by and is like wow this is way nicer than our sporting goods store right or or whatever and will bailey has just just fucking morphed into a straight up villain yeah at this point He's got a he's got a sweater vest on that makes him look very <laughs> like casually intimidating, I guess is a good word for it. Not intimidating really, but like there there's a sense of malice about him now. Well yeah, he's like he's like a Bill Gates ass kind yes, of thing where he's exactly. just like quietly like quietly yeah. nerding you to death. Exactly. Like. <laughs> exactly. Not not that he's gonna beat you up or anything, but he will totally run a uh, an ad blitz that will just fucking ruin you. Uh, and so he pulls this great power move where he requests Josh to the meeting, and then the second Josh is there, picks up the phone, is like, uh, yeah, can you come join us? And uh, and gets Donna to come in to be like, hi, yeah, this is Donna, she works for me now. <laughs> <laughs> and Josh is, and they literally write Josh as doing like an eyes wide kind of like would be a spit take in another show when <laughs> Donna walks in. Yeah. It's it's re- it's really good from Will's perspective. I will say I kind yeah. of like Will now that he is quote unquote a villain, even though well, even if it's dumb. <laughs> I mean, it's way more interesting than, than him just whatever occasionally. Was, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> than when he was just farting around the White House, going, "Ah, oh, the vice president doesn't like what you're doing." <laughs> uh, they, excuse me, but this statistic has been missed in the conversation. Like, just it's much better use yes. of him. Thank God they deployed him. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's it's much better that now he's an actual antagonist for uh, for our heroes, as it were. But yeah, the the ultimate resolution of the tension between the fact that, you know, uh, Santos is effectively a non-factor in the race between what is gearing up to be a big race between Hoynes and Russell at this point, now that Ed Baker has dropped out. But keen keen viewers, remember that name. It's going to come back at Mm -hmm. the the convention. Uh, Yeah. Like, Bob Russell's already entrenched in the area. And then, so further to that, we have um, the other, the fact that the Bartlett's themselves are something of a political dynasty. Correct. Uh, Liz Bartlett's husband, mm-hmm. Doug, is fucking Doug. Fucking Doug. <laughs> is, is a congressman from the state of New Hampshire now. And so Running for Josh re-election. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Josh has this idea to call them in and be like, it would be really handy to, mm-hmm. you know, get your endorsement and mm-hmm, have you help mm-hmm. us along on the trail. Santos' so, uh, male st- staffer pitches the idea to Josh. He's like, hey, you're tight with the Bartlett's, right? You could you could hit him up for an endorsement. And Josh is like, yeah, all right. That's a good idea. Yeah. So there's um, a some, something of a machination where... <laughs> at, at first <laughs> Emma, off... Emma, hang, hang on, hang on. Emma is... Emma's correcting me through my office wall that Doug is not a current congressman. He oh, he's trying to be. For this is his first first time. Yeah. <laughs> thank uh, you, fact check department. Thank you. 
live fact-checking, <laughs> only here on the worst wing. <laughs> so, anyway, they're, they're, they do this joint grip and grin mm-hmm. at a diner called the Fickle Pickle, the which Fickle makes me extremely happy. Pickle. I would be a regular at the Fickle Pickle. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I would love to it sit seems in the delightful. window of the Fickle Pickle with a stack of pancakes and a cup of coffee and shiver, but look out and be glad that I'm inside instead of getting snowed on. Yeah, there are the appropriate amount of tchotchkes on the wall. Not too many, not too few. It's It seems delightful. Yeah, because... So, and I want to back this up, actually, when they first meet, when Josh first meets with Liz Bartlett, A, she twists the fucking knife and calls Matt Santos a single-digit spoiler candidate, which is like, whew, this is brutal. And then, your favorite line, where she says, like, you only care about this primary because you want to win it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) What the fuck? The stupidest sentence any West Wing character could possibly say. Like, no shit? (laughs) I, no what, shit isn't the whole point to win <laughs> like <laughs> and i don't know this also something somewhat redounds back to the fact that it's just like such this like technocratic it would bullshit in it for the game type of perspective yeah, it's like it would be better if she said it, you're why are you even in this primary josh you clearly don't want to win it like if she thought she was he was being a, yes. a spoiler like but like <laughs> Or, like, only in the brain of a West Wing character can somebody mount a presidential campaign exclusively for, for the purpose... Of vengeance. Of... Of spiting someone. Yeah. Of something like that. Like, yeah. Do you, and having lived through two of the most ludicrous primary campaigns in the fucking history of the country, like, none of these assholes... Howard Schultz was not running to, like, move the debate. No. Now... He might be running because he's a narcissist who right. thinks that money dictates his like physical reality. I mean, the, but, ma- the majority of running of them running were because they saw correctly an open field and that Trump was probably going to be the op- was going to be the opposition candidate, and th- the, therefore it was like the best time in history to run. But the the ma- the majority of the motivations of them, while may- they might not have been quote unquote sincere. They weren't running just to, quote-unquote, like you say, move the conversation or to, like, spite another candidate. Although, Warren, I guess. But, but, you know, the majority of them were probably running just for, like, book deals or to show up on CNN with the the chyron of former presidential candidate, you know, underneath (laughs) them in the future. But all of those, yeah, all of them did have, at least in their hearts, some desire to be president. You know? I, they, if, yeah. if, they, if any of them caught fire and won, they would they would want to be president, I would say, for at least, like, 90-something percent of them. Yeah, I, I, and just the this abstraction of this, this idea of a candidate that's running to to nud like to do nudge theory mm-hmm. on the democratic field mm-hmm. is it just completely foreign yeah I, like, it's it's the, the only kind of about? thing that could come out of someone who's just completely brainwormed broken like in west yeah, wing brain and, and do we honestly the show spends so much time decrying certain characters as like narcissists and whatnot but like mm-hmm. fucking everybody's a goddamn narcissist if right. you're running for president yeah you're, You're literally saying, narcissist. I know better than the rest of the country. I, I should be in charge. 
Like, it's a very narcissistic thought to have. <laughs> so, like, so, anyway, um, at this event at the Fickle Pickle, like, <laughs> they, yeah. they drag so, the press in and they're doing, they're shaking diners right, hands and, and interrupting Doug, lunch. Doug decides to just throw Santos under the bu- bus here and drudges up this old quote he said, like, eight years ago about how New Hampshire isn't diverse, you know, it looks like a Mayflower reunion party or something like that. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and Doug's like, well, I hear you don't think much of our primary, huh, Matt? And uh, and Matt ends up just kind of defending the quote and being like, look, you know, I said what I said, but I, I value everyone's votes and I'm here to win. And, and they just kind of have to like move past it. And it's another thing that Josh gets mad about. But yeah, Doug is, Doug's just like such a shit. Well, and it's it's a long line of shits here because like Will Bailey's a sh- fucking snake right. the whole time. Will dug like, up the quote in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Just... they're all being shits, but it's good. It, it establishes our like underdog bona fides of the of the campaign. You know. Yeah. So the last sort of god damn it, the last portion of the uh, like establishment that ends up being roped in here is for some reason after this media cycle processes through um president bartlett calls josh so we get so we get the very dramatic like there's somebody on the phone Uh, for you a mr potus (laughs) like oh whoa and josh is like holy shit fuck me and like goes and like scrambles to pick up the phone and then we get the fucking coolest interaction (laughs) (laughs) and example so of a bartlett ex machina i've ever seen in Bar- this fucking show first off get get the actual clip take down these numbers numbers uh on... take them down one 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 two 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 three 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 four 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 five so the combination is one two three four five that's the stupidest combination i ever heard in my life that's the kind of thing an idiot would have on his luggage. And then, so, just, just like, he's like, just take down these numbers, Josh. 36, 24, 36. Now that's a woman. 6 to 24 over 6. Only if he's 5, 3. Okay, so, the, the context is, because I'm going to cut the clip before he gets to, like, the explanation of what the fuck it is. So, like, the context is, because Matt Santos is talking about education bartlett is like here's how you and i understand what they are trying to do or what he would be trying to do Mm -hmm. because he wants to foreground the need for matt santos's pet issue in new hampshire specifically because new hampshire has a bad high school dropout rate that's what the numbers are and and so but like what the fuck why are those the numbers like (laughs) Six, I just, 24, <laughs> six. Oh my God, that's my high school locker combination. <laughs> oh, s- sir, are you sure I needed to write this down? This isn't even like a phone number. <laughs> like, and again, fuck? these are the numbers that he burns in the matchbook. Like they're fucking confidential information. Like if anyone else sees them, they're going to be like, oh shit, Santos is on to us. And, and just, I... You also, Mark, where I care, it's like, how does a longer school year prevent high school dropout? Yeah, like, I, I guess I can, well, his whole thing is just in bettering the education system. So I guess, you know, you can chalk it up to like, he's going to increase funding and, and whatnot, and this will eventually lead to less dropouts. Sure, fine, whatever. But yeah, there's no direct one-to-one there. 
on late to beat the, school year. The singular statistic to be like, I'm I'm draw I'm the president of the United States. I'm intervening in this primary. I'm dropping this bomb, and it's the fact that New Hampshire went from one of the best to like to a median mi- to middle of the pack, middle yeah. of the pack in high school, school graduation should, rates. Yeah. And this is going to be the thing that, like, he's going to walk into, like, some home with a couple dozen New Hampshire families. He's going to drop this bomb and they're going to go, oh, my God, we need to vote for Matt Santos so he can fix our education system. And, like, call me, like, forgetful, but this is 2005 that we're in now. Mm-hmm. Isn't this information just around? Sure. Couldn't? Like, yeah. Shouldn't? Oh, yeah, Totally. Shouldn't your campaign team yeah. have had, like, like, a... When you're discussing the education plan with your staffers and stuff like that, did they not research these kind of statistics at all? <laughs> no, no, we didn't do any research whatsoever, guys. Again, maybe this is the fact that they're so, like, it's such a small, young, upstart campaign, and they literally have what it looks to be four people at the moment working for them, minus... Yeah. Uh, a couple volunteers, which are mostly just used for a comedy beats of like, uh-oh, he took me to his dry cleaners. Womp, womp. <laughs> I used to work in the White House. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just the numbers. The numbers? The numbers, man. <laughs> the fucking numbers. <laughs> they treat it with such import. <clears throat> like, uh, it's so stupid. We're not going to hear about it again, by the way. Like, I mean, education will continue to be his big issue, but like... New Hampshire itself is gone after this episode. It just, it also, like, so Martin Sheen himself, like, personally, is, like, likes to consider himself, like, a politics junkie. And it's fine. Like, I consider myself a politics junkie, and mm-hmm. I am nominally... I mean, we'd have nominally, to, to do this stupid yeah. show. <laughs> but, but no, but I'm, but I'm, like I'm saying, like, I am nominally as qualified as Martin Sheen as a person is to weigh in on this sort of thing, if not slightly more so. Um, but can you imagine, like, showing up and, like, getting that line... On mm-hmm. your sheet, like, just as a dude who knows things about politics, just being like... Really? I mean, okay. <laughs> like, all right, well, I mean, I'm making my salary, so I'll read whatever <laughs> yeah, you You're going to cut me a check, right? Yeah, like, the checks are still clearing, right? Okay, all right, I'll read it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I don't know I don't know how much back and forth they have. I mean, I met, when Sorkin was writing, there was, um, from behind-the-scenes stuff I read, there was definitely the perception that you never ever questioned or fuck with anything Sorkin wrote, you know, Hmm. like the, the famous story about like, if he tells you to say no 17 times in a row, you say it exactly 17, not 16, not 18 kind of thing. So I think with Sorkin, there was this sort of gravitas or import to what they all felt about his dialogue. And now I I wonder if there's more pushback now that he's gone, but I think the actors were just kind of never in a place to really push back on most of this stuff. And and that's fine. I think you you said before we started recording, you were talking about um, how Josh Molina takes a very like it's a yeah. worker oriented perspective. Yeah, and on he would never even being think an actor to to do that unless it was something that was like directly affecting him, where he's like, "Hey, I just can't say this like you know physically or something like that." Yeah, you need yeah, to yeah, reword yeah. it using <laughs> using slurs that are bad or something. Yeah, or you just like a tongue twister kind of sentence, and yeah, like, "Hey, yeah, can yeah. you just reword this? I'm having trouble spitting it out," kind of thing. But yeah, he wouldn't push back on. Con- content for like art's sake i don't think because he just views it as like hey they pay me to read words i'm gonna read whatever they want me to read 
Yeah, whereas I'm I'm almost certain I'd just be rolling my eyes too hard to yeah. accurately deliver yeah. this particular line. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, it's just it's the framing of it too. I'm sure in the moment he doesn't grasp the framing of it, but you know, like it really is like a call from God. It is a Deus Ex Machina kind of moment of just like Bartlett calls and he fixes all of their problems. Especially as compared to the most recent one of these, where Bartlett spends, you know, a grueling seven hours having an active MS attack, right. dealing with the head of state of the most powerful country on Earth. Right, and somehow whipping up a, a, a huge political win uh, out <laughs> yet, of that. But, you know, yet, at least here we, we are. felt that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at least he was going through some shit, and the show, like, made us feel that. But now it's just like, yeah, he just... I'm going to drop this one statistic and solve all your problems. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Brush his shoulders off. It's just what I do. I have I, I have this memory. Like, I used my locker, I think senior year of high school, just enough to exist on this constant cusp of worrying that I'd forget my combination. <laughs> so every time I showed up, I'd have this just brief, completely blank mode of being like, Oh fuck! What am I doing here? That's when you need Bartlett to like, call and drop the numbers on exactly, you. You know exactly. Oh, th- thanks, Stu, it's 34, 34, 18, 26. Thanks, you Bartlett. It. You got my back, man. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. President. This has been your precedent. You have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that rules. Yeah, uh, there's a funny bit too where Donna comes up to meet. Uh, Santos's female uh, campaign uh, staffer who's named Rana, and there's a little like, hi, I'm Donna. No, it's Rana. No, it's Donna. No, it's Rana. And it goes just uh, enough I'm rounds. I'm pretty sure for, it's Donna. <laughs> yeah, it goes just enough rounds to stay funny without turning into yep. a whole who's on first bit, but good good, good yep. job writers sensing that one good out work. and being like, yeah, that that's, that's fun. That's a cute moment. Oh, and I mean, I want to, as kind of like a very last thing while we're wrapping up here, <clears throat> they bring up dwarf tossing. Oh, yeah. This is one of his two uh, gaffes along with the, the quote about the Mayflower. Does, I hope everybody else remembers dwarf tossing as an issue because it was a real thing. Yeah, what a, what a, a what a time capsule sort of thing for like one and, year. <laughs> Yeah, and I I mean I'm trying to figure out like the it's it it's sort of like the center right like the Democratic Party version of um like comet ping pong. Mm. Where it's like this is an extremely bizarre fringe thing that nevertheless we're going to comment like on. dredge up and comment on for a long ass time and it like it, it doesn't have the like the the fascist violence implications that fucking talking about cheese pizza as child porn like does but it's the most niche inscrutable possible issue right. and, and i and remember now, it being and talked now we have about to politicize at, it and take a take and like it being talked about at length for quite some time uh-huh. of being like oh um okay i mean are they consenting to this in which case i I guess that's whatever. fine. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> then, like, like I, I, I opt into a lot of things fully and willingly. Like, all right. Yeah, it's it's so silly, and I the show correctly even has like one of the staffers go like, "Why aren't we talking about like Medicare or whatever?" And yeah. Josh is like, "Well, <laughs> ask a ask a dwarf who's in a harness, which matters more to him right now, or something <laughs> like that." 
I just, it's not like people are going out on like horseback and lassoing wild herds of little people. Yeah, to, like, to be like, aha. Now, aha. Now, now, not only will we use you in our tossing, you must grant me three of your wishes. I just, it's the weirdest. And, but, and the thing is, people who are, people who have never seen this before and who like don't have like, memories of i don't know probably 2005 to 2007 will look at this and and think like oh haha that's a one-off random thing but it was absolutely there was a time where the country talked about dwarf tossing yeah what a it, it, i love west wing as time capsule that's, yes it's, absolutely it's very useful for that purpose it's also and i forgot if we actually got this on pod or not or if this was in our pre-talk but uh talking about the time capsule aspect of it from a post-Trump world, the idea that Santos is this, like, crazy, wacky, out-there candidate is just, like, a complete joke. It's just so pedestrian. Ultimately, yeah. all of these things are He's a perfectly so... normal Democratic candidate who just has, like, his issue is education. And, he uh, like, increasing the school year is not even that radical an idea. It's been floated plenty of times. Yeah, the, the implied drama and they're they're really going hard at it here where it's just like you must they have to dress up these things because to a surface level read it's like well yeah okay yeah like what's what's the big deal yeah (laughs) yeah but they have to make it and then to be fair they do in the 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 dramatic devices a couple of them are overwrought like we said like the burning of the matchbook and stuff like that but it works really well when you know, for example, uh, Bartlett's daughter uh, Liz comes back and gives them the camp uh, gives the ga- campaign a donation check for the maximum, which was two thousand at the time. Uh, it's twenty seven hundred now, so it's been it's been jacked up quite a seven hundred bucks since since this time. But <laughs> I do love that jo- Josh is like you know looking at the check, and Rana comes up and he hands it to her, and she looks at it, and she goes, "Wow." What do we do with it? <laughs> <laughs> and Josh is like, uh, cash it as fast as possible. Yeah, like put it in the bank account so we can keep the lights <laughs> quick, on. Quick, I don't know. Quick before she comes back to her senses and does a stop <laughs> yeah. payment on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I think that's about it. I mean, this episode is, it's sort of all over the place in that there's a fucking lot going on, but it's a mm-hmm. very simple narrative, yeah, like one, two days in the it's life. it's one plot line. It's all yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a campaign in New Hampshire, you know? That's, that is more focused than most of our episodes that bounce between subplots. So between that, the shooting on location, and the fact that aside from that little Bartlett number dropping, we don't see anything <laughs> of the White House injects yep. the episode with a lot of much needed fresh energy and this is what i meant by the show gets a lot better when the campaign starts it really has this was a lot more watchable than yeah it just it shakes it up to the degree that it's not like just like bouncing back and forth from conference room to conference room mm-hmm. and doing walk and talk and doing and doing this not only that but just like at this point we've run out of political topics for the white house to do and so mm. like the only thing you can do at this point is do something big like the zoe kidnapping or you just kind of re- regurgitate the same, like, sausage-making walk-and-talk BS, and, like, there's not even any more topics to do. So we're starting to get reruns on topics in seasons four and five and six at this point. Yeah, and I think we were, I mean, you and I struggled with that relatively yeah. early on in this podcast, too, where it's just like, well, everybody knows our position on X, Y, Z 
A, B, C issues. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of just the political content is especially and I think you you hit on something here where it's like it's not even that they're out of issues. They're out of issues that are acceptable within the reference frame mm-hmm. of a network television show. Right. Yeah, there could be more issues they could get into, but yeah, that's it gets extreme at that that, point. that risks uh yeah, that yeah. risks rocking that, the boat a little right. too much. Getting into issues that really, you know, the, like the show has tackled abortion a little, but like not gotten into the weeds on it because they knew that would that'd be something that would like make viewers, you know, freak out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, getting the campaign energy injected into the show is such a breath of fresh air. So I really appreciate it for that. Jimmy Smith's, of course, is doing great work the whole time. Uh, I just want to shout out, there's one shot where they're in their motel, and rather than doing like a shot reverse shot between Josh and Santos, uh, Santos is framed in the mirror so that you can see Mm -hmm. his reaction while Josh is talking. And like, that's just like a little thing, but like so nice and something we never saw in the White House kind of scenes. Yeah, it's very, um, I mean, it's technically proficient. Mm-hmm. And it helps, it helps to, especially because the thrust of this episode is developing and establishing the nominal rapport between mm-hmm. Josh and Matt Santos. Because up till this point, right. they just Josh know each other bar- as like... Yeah, Josh has been Bartlett's Yeah, they're guy. like colleagues, sort of. And, and now yeah. he has to become Santos's guy. And there's a transition involved in that. And, we're ge- and we get to see all of it, which is good because Josh is effectively our main character, really, at this point. Yeah. Yeah, because the show the show's past the White House now, and we're following Josh and the Santos campaign, and the White House comes back every now and then. But this is the main story, clearly. So yeah, we're excited to see cool. where this goes uh, going forward. Like I said, I'm looking forward to that King Corn episode, because and we can get into Iowa, and you can swap a couple Bernie Iowa stories, <laughs> yeah. uh, and like Ooh, and boy. all that. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. That's two episodes down the line. I forget the content of the next episode, but we will be back to discuss that next week. So as always, thanks for listening. Uh, you can drop a comment in either one of our threads on BNR or on Something Awful. Uh, if you found us another way, hi, welcome. And you can email the show if you'd like at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Nice. Nice. And we will be back sometime in the future to discuss the next episode of The West Wing here on The Worst Wing. Stay Thanks safe, everybody. everyone. Bye-bye. Stay bye. safe, y'all. Bye. send all the money you ask for, but don't ask me to come on along. So love me, love me, love me.